You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, season three, episode five. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Hello, my friends. How are you today? How are you doing? I am doing well, thanks, because I know that if you were here, you would ask. <laughs> and today, we are continuing to look at how to observe continually. But first, we have a little bit of catching up to do. Now, as I warned you, it's been a bit since we connected here on the podcast. My family and I drove to Connecticut. We hung out there for a while while we helped my youngest move into her dorm, her freshman year at college, and then we hung around for a few more days uh, for convocation. Then we drove home, which took another few more days, so, so yeah, there's been a lot going on since last we spoke. Um, also, some exciting news. I have accepted a position as adjunct faculty at the University of Denver's University College in their Frontline Manager Leadership Program. And if you've tuned into the podcast over the last few seasons, you know education and learning are really high value for me. So being a part of this program is just it's feeding my soul and giving me so much energy. My students are wonderful, and they are from all ages and stages. I love exploring leadership with them, and especially, you guessed it, self-leadership. So yeah, a lot going on, and I'm sure for you too, but I'm not leaving you hanging. We're working our way through a deep dive of the Boss Yourself First program, where BOSS is an acronym that stands for Principles of Self-Leadership. Those principles are Believe Intentionally, Observe Continually, Steward Resourcefully, and Serve Creatively. Today is our second episode on Observing Continually. And the goal here is to give you some tools to develop practices for each principle. Now, just a quick sidebar. Anything that we talk about or any guest we have on here are here to help you grow as a self-leader. However, you should not consider this as advice specifically for you. As much as I love thinking about what you might need to move forward in self-leadership, I don't get to actually know you or make recommendations that are specific to you. So count this as learning, food for thought, and give the tools and techniques a try if you want. But if you need mental, physical, spiritual, emotional support, get to a professional who can consult specifically with you and take into account your unique circumstances. That being said, I'm hoping you do give some of these tools and techniques a try, the ones we discuss here. I know some of you do because you reach out to me, and speaking of that, I'd love to hear from you when you do try them. You can connect with me on our website, on the Boss Yourself First Facebook page. You can email me, robin at bossyourselffirst.com. 
I care about you and I want you to get the support you need. Okay, back to work. Here we go. We explored on our last episode leveraging self-observation from past challenges to overcome a current challenge. And that was episode four of season three. So be sure to check it out if you missed it. Today, though, I want to talk about another area that bears observation, and that area is triggers. Learning your triggers by self-observation helps you not only have awareness of situations with trigger potential, but it also helps you plan how you want to respond when you're triggered. Now, there is a lot of work out there around triggers, and this is a high view, high level view. But if you work through the exercise, the one we're going to unpack today, you will be a long way into expanding your self-awareness around your triggers. A little warning though, when I've done this work with clients, focusing on their triggers can, well, be triggering in itself. So don't rush, give yourself breaks in the work if you need them, and exercise self-compassion. It's normal to feel a little stirred up when you focus on your triggers. Okay. So what is a trigger? A simple definition of a trigger is an emotional and physical shift in our being. So when you say, I'm triggered, you're saying, I'm shifting emotionally and physically. It's way easier to just say, I'm triggered. (laughs) All right. So triggers are incited by pretty much anything. So when we feel triggered or shifted, we need to observe the circumstance, the environment, the people present our context, our underlying assumptions. When a trigger is experienced, our brains and our bodies and our emotions, they're trying to get us to a biologically safe and protected place. All right, let's take an example from a client of mine. Um, She's building a business, which is a nonprofit with a massive grant. She has like a $2 million grant. So most people looking at her and her work would say she's having a lot of success. But just as she was getting started on her nonprofit, her husband of 20 years left. And we started working together. Gosh, it was probably a year and a half after her divorce. And she was actually doing really well. But when she started doing the work of observing triggers she realized, she saw the pattern, and she noticed that anytime she was at a social event in a group of married couples, she got flustered. She flushed, and she stammered, and her chest tightened up, and she just felt this flood of shame. And this was really frustrating for her. Most of her friends were married, and she didn't want to just avoid them. Now, we were already working on expanding her self-awareness, but we decided the triggers needed a little more in-depth work. And we're going to call this client Joyce. I'm going to circle back to her in a moment, but I want to unpack this exercise with you and then we'll see how it plays out in Joyce's story. Okay. When we first start observing triggers, all we see is what we don't want. The problem, the thing that incited the trigger. And our bodies and our brains work to protect us from what we don't want. But here's the deal. What we focus on grows. And that can be good and bad. We, when we first try to observe triggers, what we actually observe is the problem. And the problem becomes more of a problem because we work harder to avoid the problem. It's sort of a cycle. What we want to do instead is observe the trigger in the context of how we want to respond. 
instead of how we want to avoid the problem. Now, a good tool, and the one we're going to work with today, is called a trigger tracker. I like alliteration, you know that. Trigger tracker, which is basically writing down your observations when you're triggered. And I don't mean stopping in the middle of the trigger and writing them down, but we're going to observe by reflection the times we're triggered. That'll become clearer, I promise. All right, I learned this particular tool from a fellow coach, Renelle Dar, when we were working together on a project, and I will have a PDF of my version of the trigger tracker for you to grab by subscribing to the Boss Yourself First newsletter, or you can email me at robin at bossyourselffirst.com, and I will make sure you get it. It will also eventually show up in the show notes. It's just not there yet. Plan for about a week when you can commit to this observation and notice at the end of each day of that week when you were triggered during that day. And I, I really do recommend that you kind of wait till the end of the day or even the morning. If you're more of a, like a morning journaler, that's when you do your reflection time. Um, do it the morning after, that's fine. But um, but you want to observe when you were triggered the prior day or during that day earlier. Fill in the tracker with your observations. Now, there are seven columns on this tracker, and that's a lot. So bear with me as we explain it. Um, and I promise we will make it come a little more to life, of course, if you get the trigger tracker, but also um, when we circle back to Joyce's story. Okay, the first column is what triggered me. The event, the conversation, the people, the action, whatever it is, that goes in the first column. The next column are your feelings about what happened when you were triggered, your emotions and your physical sensations. The third column, and this is where it gets really interesting. The next one is your assumptions or the story you told yourself, probably in your internal conversation, around that trigger. So around whatever you wrote in column one, what story went through your brain, or what were you assuming when you experienced that? The fourth column is your gut reaction, how you really wanted to respond. So let's let's just put a little um, example in here. Let's say that the incident was someone cut you off in traffic your feelings where you got angry and uh, your heart started pounding, then the third column would be your story. And your story is probably like, what a jerk. What a jerk. Does he think because I'm in a minivan, I don't know how to drive? What's up? And then your next column is what your gut response was. Did you want to flip them off? Did you want to tail them really hard? Did you want to lay on the horn? What did you want to do? Whether you did it or not, you may have, you may not. But what did you want to do? And then the fifth column. The fifth column is the record of the facts. So in the example that we were using, it's a simple example, but let's just say the facts are that someone cut you off. You you were in traffic, you were in your car, and someone cut you off. Those are the facts. So then you look at those facts, because this is the fact and truth column. They go together. So those are the facts. And based on those facts, what what is the actual truth? The truth is... You don't know if that guy was even paying attention to you in traffic. Maybe he just spilled a hot drink on himself. Maybe um, he had an emergency of some kind. You don't know what was going on, and you don't know that it was a vendetta against you and your minivan. (laughs) All right, so, so that's the truth. And that is really it for your observations. That's the observation part of your trigger tracker. And just doing that, 
will change your relationship with triggers with just the observation. But observation alone may not get you to the practice of adjusting your response to triggers. But do the work of the scientist, observe yourself for a week or so, and ignore columns six and seven. And normally when I'm working with a client, I wouldn't even put the sixth and seventh column on the tracker because I really want them to stay in observation mode. I want them to build observation muscle. And that's what I want for you too. We're learning to observe continually in different ways. So then my client would come back after doing the trigger tracker and we would work on column six and seven in our next session. But as I said, I do not want to leave you hanging without the tools to adjust your trigger responses. Once you've observed your trigger tracker for a week, go back through and do a bit more work with it. For each recorded trigger, fill in column six. It's called how I want to show up. So this is not your gut response. This is how you want to show up. And that is just what you fill in. The next time you're faced with that trigger, look at your column for instinctual response and record how you'd like to show up instead. So you can look at your gut instinct and you can say, yeah, that's not really, on reflection, that's not really how I want to show up in the world. Then record in the last column, column seven, your supporting belief. And your supporting belief is a thought about the event, action, person, whatever you listed in column one, that will help you show up the way you want, what you wrote in column six. Okay, I realize this is a little hard to visualize, so be sure to sign up for the newsletter or email me. You can check the show notes. Maybe it'll be there. It will be there eventually. Email me for the trigger tracker. Let me help you move this from theoretical to real life. Back with my client, Joyce. Remember her? Okay, she was feeling triggered in social settings with married couples. So let's see what her tracker would look like. Column one, what triggers her? As I said, social settings with married people. Column two, how she felt. Remember, she flushed, her chest tightened up, she would stammer, and she felt overwhelmed with shame. Column three, and remember, this is where it gets interesting. Here's what she recorded. Everyone is pitying me for my failure at marriage. I'm not lovable or attractive or successful enough to keep my husband. Yeah, it was harsh. She was really hard on herself. And by the way, just to let you know, this client had already spent significant time with a therapist. And that therapist was aware that she was working with me. That's kind of the way I roll. If you are working with a therapist, I want them to know you're working with me and I'm happy to work with them or communicate with them. So um, so this is kind of where she was. Let's get on to her column four. And she, she observed this trigger several times in our work together and she noticed that she had some varying instinctual responses. She said it kind of depended on the day she'd had. <laughs> so I get that. In column four is your instinctual response. And for Joyce... She said that sometimes she wanted to call people out and say, stop pitying me. And sometimes she just wanted to go home and watch TV with her cat and never accept any more social invitations with couples. Now, column five, the fact and truth column. The facts were she was invited to social occasions with married couples. She had generally known both members of the couple for years and she liked these people. The truth was that she had no idea 
that they were actually pitying her. They had not said that. There's another fact here. Her husband had left her and married another woman. But when she got honest with herself, she knew that his leaving was more to do with him and his own insecurity than her insufficiency. The other thing that came up when we were discussing this, when we were unpacking her observations, is that she had put together the idea that her marriage was a failure. But in reality, she had three beautiful, healthy children from that marriage. Her marriage was not a failure. It ended. So these are things she and I worked with using this trigger tracker. So these are the truths and the facts. Then when she moved on to column six work, how she wanted to show up. She wanted to enjoy time with her friends as couples. She wanted to feel relaxed and successful with them. And then column seven, her supporting thoughts. What would she need to believe to show up the way she wanted to in column six? She decided to think that her friends wanted her. Because they were her friends, they wanted her to feel relaxed and successful as well. And she also thought, you know, they might even be a tiny bit envious of her freedom as a single woman. All right, remember how I said our boss principles overlap? Here is the place you really see it. Joyce chose to believe intentionally these thoughts. And that means when she knew she would be in a social situation with married friends, she would prepare herself with these thoughts. And when she would feel those triggered feelings, because they didn't just disappear, but when she would start to feel those, she would check in with herself and she would pull her mind back to these supporting thoughts. With time and practice, Joyce was able to relax and enjoy these social occasions. Now, don't miss what I said. With time and practice. It doesn't happen overnight. Okay, you have the combination of observing triggers and believing intentionally the thoughts that support how you want to show up when you're triggered. And I know that was kind of a lot. I just didn't really want to divide this into two episodes. But please feel free to contact me with questions or get that trigger tracker. You can email me at robin at bossyourselffirst.com. Okay, I just wanted to say I am so glad to be back with you today. And just so you know, I have a lot going on. I'm sure you do too. But with the added adjunct faculty responsibilities, plus I have a big project with a client going on, I'm giving myself a little grace and space to keep some margin in my schedule. That means... The BYF podcast posting schedule may expand to every other week during my busy season. We're going to see how it goes, but I wanted to give you a heads up. And I also want you to know that I like being here with you. And I will be here with you exploring self-leadership and what it means to boss yourself first. All right, everyone. Until we talk again, take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at bossyourselffirst or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.